<coughs> oh, shit! Hello and welcome to the 87th episode of the Black Ink Podcast. I'd like to welcome you to get comfortable in your seat. Perhaps loosen your seatbelt and just live on the fucking wild side because you're here, you're locked in for 45 minutes of absolute guaranteed entertainment and I'd like to thank you whether you're a first time listener or whether you've listened to absolutely every episode and every piece of content that I've ever released on the internet in the whole entirety of my existence. Let's start from the start. The past week has been one of many uh, events, situations and occasions. I've had to make a lot of decisions. I've done a lot of learning in the past week. So let's talk about it. Obviously, I've had the release of the Everything Tea, which is my most recent tea. It has that small little print on the front and has the big skull on the back with fuck everything written in words around it. And look, to date, probably my favorite tea as far as aesthetics is concerned. It perfectly suits exactly the sort of stuff that I would wear. And obviously, Mitch Greenwood, which is a designer, he lives over in Queensland, he already designs clothes that I would wear. So having a collaborative piece with him just made sense. It was something that I really didn't get in the way of. I kind of told him like, look, I want you to look at my Instagram page. I want you to get a feeling of what black ink is. And I just want you to respond to that. Okay. I don't want you to think that I'm going to stop you in any particular fashion. I'm not going to I, try, I really don't want to interfere. To be honest, I want to outsource the whole job of getting the design because as far as I'm concerned, the more, the less that I have to do with it, the better because then it completely leaves the uh, finished product in the hands of the audience without having any kind of um, inference of, of me, right? And I think the worst thing you get as a creative when someone gets in your way, when you're like, okay, I, I see kind of this, But as soon as someone comes in and says, well, it's my job and I think it needs to be this, this or this, it's like, well, why did you even hire someone to do that for you if you already know what you want? You know, and I think, well, to shed light on both sides of the situation, as someone who has been in both sides of the situation, I think the thing to take into consideration is that when you have any project in mind as the project owner, obviously you have some sort of vision for what it's going to look like because you are obviously directing that project. But as far as skilled labor is concerned, you pay as much as you possibly can for the skilled labor. And once you give them the job and the parameters and the elements that are included, like get the fuck out of the way, you know? I think by getting yourself involved too much and like, I think a lot of that, especially when you're talking about skilled labor, it's really easy to ask yourself the question. It's really hard to ask yourself the question, but an easy question to ask that's gonna get you uh, whether you're getting in the way of this, whether you're the speed hump or whether their kind of direction is a speed hump is, is my ego attached to the questions that I'm asking? You know, like when you're saying, I kind of see it like this, are you getting offended that they took it a direction that you didn't think was going to be the case? Or do you think that it's not suiting the purpose of the whole project itself? If it's the latter, sure, jump in, make a change, do whatever you want to do. But if it's the first thing, if it's your ego that's damaged, like, no, I didn't think it was going to be a red design. I thought it was going to be a yellow design. Well, fuck you, dude. Fuck you. You know, something like that should have been in the introductory elements. Hey, I see this being kind of a yellow design. Outside of that, you go do it. Or even saying from the start, hey, I've already got this mostly figured out. Here's a sketch of what I think it would look like. Here's the colors that I want, you know, and then work from there. But people who like go, no, you've got free reign. And then you as the creator go away and you make something with your free reign based on what you've got to work with, which usually is fucking nothing. And then you come back to the customer and say, hey, what do you think? They're like, oh, that's actually nothing like what I was expecting. No shit, because you're not a creative, you know? I'm the creative here. That's why, so tying this all in, obviously, 
when Mitch said that he was going to take this job on, it's kind of like a weight off my back because I know I'm going to get, this dude knows how to make usable graphics. So something at the end of the day that I can then take and use on a shirt, I can apply it to a shirt or a garment or whatever the, the use is. I know that he can create that file in the right file format. I know that he understands the colors that I'm working with. I know that he understands essentially what I'm looking for. So the actual creative part of it, I can now have so much more confidence in this job because I know that like the foundation of necessity is met by this person because they have the experience in the field. So leaving the entire creative thing up to him is just like, oh, well, fuck yeah, dude. Like, do whatever you want. Like, let me know how it goes. Just make sure it's kind of contextual with black ink. <clears throat> and to be honest, I've had this situation where I have been the director of a project, obviously t-shirts and, you know, nameably the actual graphics for the t-shirts. I've probably had this, um, you know, let's say 10 times. It wouldn't be 10 times. It'd be between seven and 10. So let's say, you know, like six, uh, sorry, 8.6 or something. About that many times. Uh, every time you get the graphic back, you hate it. You hate it. Every time. There's nothing you can do about that. And that's where I have learned realistically that you have to ask yourself that question. Is it my ego or is it that I actually don't think this is answering the question that I was asking? And every time, I mean, the first few I got in the way of it, I was like, oh, I don't like this. Can we change that? Can we change that? Yeah, it might have worked. Did it work better than if I hadn't have changed anything? We'll never know. We don't have parallel universes. We can't reverse time. The ones where I just accepted it and I didn't say anything except let me sleep on it for 24 hours because with every decision, trust me, every single decision besides taking a shit, sleep on it for 24 hours, you're definitely going to have a different opinion. Most of the time, you're not going to have an emotional opinion. You're just going to have an opinion of it because you've had time to consider things without being aggressive or without being caught up in whatever emotion you first felt when you were faced with the situation. And it's funny, every time after those 24 hours, and normally, not even when I've slept on it, I will come to a point where I'm like, oh, I actually fuck with this. I like this because I didn't imagine this to begin with. And if I'm honest with you, like, I know, and also, like, I don't know if I know this just because I'm aware of myself and I've been trying to be as aware of my thoughts as possible, but I do know about myself that I can only replicate art that I've seen in the past. Like my creative flair, I think comes, like my direct creative flair that is like specific to me is my ability to string words together into sentences that are nice to listen to and they have like, you know, tone rises and low, whatever that's called, where you make it like audibly nice to listen to. I think that's my artistic flair. When it comes to visual artistic things, I only know how to replicate things and typically very, very specifically what I'm replicating from. So whether it's a style or whether it's a specific image or whether it's a font or, you know, whatever, or even a style of illustration, I can only come up with things that I've already seen. So when I have these moments where I see something, I'm like, I don't fuck with it. Most of the time it's because it's a completely new thing because I'm actually dealing with an artist where their flair is these visual graphics and coming up with things that you haven't thought of before. And I guess to a certain extent, you can even defend the fact that they're only using real tiny pieces of things that they've seen replicated on a smaller level, but on a with more things involved combined, and therefore they're doing the same thing what I'm doing, but on a macro level, and therefore it's the same thing. But what I am saying is normally what I get from these designers, I'm like, oh, I've never seen anything like that. And I don't want black ink to be the first thing that brings that to surface. You know, I don't want this style emerging onto the scene of fucking reality 
and Black Ink being the vehicle of it. If you want to do that, that's your art. You do that, but that's not the art that I agree with. And then my ego fucking settles down and, you know, goes back to sleep. And then me just looks at it, looks at it and goes, well, that's perfect because it doesn't look like it's a ripoff of a Nike. It doesn't look like it's a ripoff of Good Earth Surf. It doesn't look like a ripoff of anything. And realistically, it's probably a ripoff of something that they look at all the time, but I don't follow that page on Instagram, so I don't know about it. So fuck it, does it matter? But the point that I'm making here is when Mitch sent me the graphic, I loved it. I straight away loved it. I felt like it was timeless. I felt like it made sense with what black ink was in a way that I didn't have to find, uh, you know, like, what do you call it when you find closure in something through like necessity i feel like there was none of that and a lot of these other things that i look at i'm like you know 80 percent of this i actually do quite like these 20 percent things i've really not sold on but for the sake of the experiment let's keep let's keep it in there and keep moving forward and learn to love it and sure enough you end up learning to love it because strangely enough it tends to be the things that i don't like that people pay attention to in the future in a positive light it's like oh you know i saw you did this with this like i remember one one of the box globe jumpers i actually printed i no i hate heat pressed that graphic about probably 10 centimeters too high or like eight centimeters too high and as soon as i looked at it i was like oh that shit house hey like i'm not a fan customer loved it customer loved it got out of the bag straight away i was like oh this is sick now I accidentally pressed one of myself on a shirt too high as well. And I thought, well, I can't give this to a customer. So I gave it to myself. It was a large, you know, it's a size I wear. So I put it in the wardrobe. And the other day I actually found it. And I was like, I fuck with this shirt now because I've seen that customer wear that so much that I actually like the way it looks on them. So now I think like my brain has readjusted to it. So that's an example of something like I created that graphic. Like that's actually one that I did create. Pretty sure ripped off Street X in one way or another. Like I didn't, you know, consciously mean to. But now that I look at their shit, it's like, well, obviously if it's not directly ripped off, it's inspired by it. my apologies, Street X. I'm uncreative, you know, fuck me, right? Um, and then placing it too high, it put me into that zone where I'm like, oh no, that's, that's, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. And then fucking two weeks later, oh, I do agree with that. Now, when I make them in the future, do I put them higher where they're meant to be? You know, it's fucking weird. That whole situation actually where I'm trying to make, oh, dude, I've got to tell you about this. This, We'll get to that. Where I have to make mock-ups for things, it's really difficult because you have to make a mock-up that applies to every size. So say, you know, you're a, you know, you're a fucking chick and you go and buy a small shirt right? That small shirt needs to be like, when you receive it, it needs to look like the image that you see when you order the shirt, right? But if you're a dude and you get a 3XL, you need to also get a shirt that looks like the mock-up that you see. So making something that applies to all, and then also when you see what that looks like in real life, it always looks, the print always looks heaps smaller in real life. And it's such a like, it's a hard battle because on the mock-up, you want to make it look as big as possible so you can bring light to the actual print itself. But then in real life, working with what I, the equipment that I can work with, I have like a, like a 40 centimeter kind of cutoff as far as width is concerned. And in real life, 40 centimeters is fuck all on a 2XL shirt. I mean, massive on a small, but tiny on a shirt. So it's just, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess that leads me on to my next topic. Let me have a little bit of this V I've been fiending since before the podcast.
so the uh, another part of my week. <clears throat> well, let's finish on on these shirts. So obviously, got the graphic. This is old news. I'm pretty sure you all all know this already. Got the graphic, and then went straight into. So I received the photos on the Wednesday. I went straight into full promo marketing. Which, if you follow me on any of my accounts, you would have already seen this. Uh, did a pre-sale event where if you purchased in a certain time period before it went to normal sale, you actually got a free car banner. Four people took advantage of that. Absolutely brilliant. It went to sale on the Friday morning. We got right up to 75 or 80% sold out. And it's pretty much sat there. I've sold a couple of shirts since then. It's pretty much sat there since uh, about midday through Saturday. So that was a really good turnout for those shirts. Obviously don't have any of them for sale physically yet. Um, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. There is a reason. Uh, so it's it's uh, the shirt, if you've been following the story, is the third release for the year as part of this uh, 20 in 2022 capsule has been wildly successful. So the first two really didn't do super well. This third shirt, I think we had a great graphic. I think I had great promo. I think I had a great uh, photos to work with. I think the shirt ties together really well with the brand. And I think people fucked with it, you know, like, so not only did we have a great product and we communicated it really well with the audience, but people were like, this is actually a fucking cool product as well. So obviously doing this testing over and over with all different things with the marketing and the, and the lead up and the product itself and the collaborations and the application of the graphics to the show, obviously it's always changing, but kind of cool that we struck a chord and did really well with this because, you know, for the five T's or something that are left, I'm very confident that those are going to be sold just, I mean, the amount of stuff that I sell when people come over to pick up their stuff, they're like, oh, have you got a large and such and such? And you go, fuck yeah, got one here. And they walk out with it. I mean, the cool part about this is they're heat pressed. Okay. So let's say you're a customer and you buy a shirt and you come around and, and you're picking up your OPT and you're picking up, uh, you know, one of your black ink mugs and you got a black ink cap and you're like oh that shirt that you released the other week the fucking fuck everything tea you don't have one of those do you oh well your boy doesn't have one but he can make one for you while you wait hey have you got a spare four minutes yeah i'll make one for you why don't you just chill out for a second okay and then i turn on my heat press i get my fucking brand new shirt out that's got your black ink tag on it because you know professional okay feed it into my heat press. I slap that transfer in there. Bang. 10 seconds later, that's the back done. Flip it over. 10 seconds. Or, oh, sorry. Transfer on 10 seconds on the front. Bang. That thing is good to go. Walk out the door. You can literally wear it right now to your favorite cafe or restaurant to impress some young floozy. Okay. So that's pretty fun. Pretty exciting. Uh, now that was on Friday. We had all that happen. Don't forget Monday was a public holiday. I ordered my transfers from the transfer place on Monday. Long story short, they got here yesterday. And because, you know, I don't get stuff delivered to my house because I don't quite trust the area and I have a very exposed front door and I, you know, just whatever, dude, I don't want to get stuff delivered here. So I get it delivered to dad's house. And of course, no one's home at dad's house. So they try and deliver it. They leave a card and then I've got to wait until they get back to the yard. Like I don't even need the card, you know, I've got to wait till they get back to the yard before that article is back at the yard so I can pick it up from there, which yesterday happened to be at 4.45. All good, went there at nine o'clock and at three o'clock. It's fine, because this is my job and I don't mind. And obviously, 
you can just ask them to leave the parcel on the doorstep when you order it, or you can get a PO box. I can get it. I understand that this is my problem and there are ways of solving this problem, but this is the problem that I had yesterday. So I get it. But of course, your boy has, uh, you know, 150 customers to serve in one day. So I was also seeing a client after that. And I'm in a situation at the moment where my radiator is playing up. So I had to pull the radiator out of my car at dad's house and leave it there for the night and get a lift. And I didn't get home until fucking, you know, eight o'clock or something last night. By the time you eat dinner and like think about having a shower, it's 9.30 and you're passed out. So I wake up this morning and I get all the transfers out and I've got all of my customers transfers. I've got all of the outside client stuff. And then all I have is the back transfers for my shirts. I don't have the fronts, the little graphic on the front. Oh my goodness. Now, obviously I'm not at all complaining about what happened with the photo shoot, but if you're up to date, obviously we, because of the Queensland floods and the terrible things that happened to everyone over there, uh, the whole process of getting the photos off the photographer was just, it was crazy because he was literally like stranded from his laptop to be able to send them out. So he had a, a SD card and dude, you know what the reality is? He had real life shit going on. He had real shit going on. And on top of this, I'm like, oh, you wouldn't be able to get my photos over. Could you to help my little t-shirt business? Could you fucking, you know what I mean? Like, dude, fuck me. I shouldn't have even been asking for it. But this dude pulled it together. D-Train Photography, check him out on Instagram, pulled it together for me. And consequently, I could, you know, bring everything to market as I wanted to. I had to delay the release date by a few days. It is what it is. But had that bit of a delay with the photography and all the kind of treacherous things we had to deal with to go through that. And then obviously pushing back the release date did really well. Everything seemed to be all good. This is like a, you know, and like I fucking talked about it on three podcasts ago about how much I put into the lead up to this, that then we get to like literally the 11th hour and then the fucking front transfers don't arrive. And it's just like, dude, what the fuck is going on? You know, what the fuck? But Every problem is an opportunity and obviously a chance to learn. So I just took it as that and I tried my very hardest to write the, to write the most polite email I could to question what was going on to my direct contact at the transfer place. I think it went something like, hey, Matt, uh, what the fuck is going on? Didn't land as well as I wanted to, but he understood and you know mitigated the situation quite well. So thank you, Matt. I appreciate you. You're a nice dude. You have phone calls for about 25% too long, but that's okay because... You're a nice dude, but all good. So I'm in a situation now where he's let me know that they're actually posted out on Monday, which means they're probably, no, that I actually got an email after all of this happened that, that to expect delivery today. So I'm gonna be able to go through the same thing today to you know, go and pick them up at quarter to five and then come home and make all 20 of those tops and be able to post them out first thing tomorrow morning. So the cool thing is if you did order one of those tops, by the time this is on the internet, you'll actually have a shirt on the way to you that's been created. Hey, that's cool as fuck. You know what else is cool as fuck? We've actually got a buyer lined up for the NFT number two antenatal, which is quite an interesting event for Black Ink because obviously the sale of my first NFT was exciting, but at $100, it didn't really mean anything. Now the sale of my second NFT, that's completely different. For a thousand dollars fiat, a thousand Australian dollars, which is whatever it is in Ethereum. I think at the time of lift, listing it was, you know, 0 0.03. I'm not sure. I have no idea if I'm honest. I shouldn't have even guessed, okay? But for a thousand dollars, that says that people or a person has a thousand dollars worth of belief that black ink is 
at all valuable. But obviously, if you follow the story, you know the antenatal, the NFT, if you own that during the year of 2022, that entitles you to one of every single of the 20 shirts that I'm going to be releasing this year. Those shirts are only made 20 times each, which means you're getting 20 collectible shirts over the year. And then at the end of the year, you're going to continue to own that NFT. And obviously, whoever owns it going forward, they don't get that same privilege going on into 2023 and 24. They'll most probably be their own NFTs as well. <clears throat> as in, you know, the, the rights to all the shirts in those years, because I'll touch on that in a sec. But that means that this person, when they purchase this NFT, I'm, you know, because I'm, you know, just starting out and I want to do the right thing by this person. That means that they get one of the field tees, one of the Valentine's Day tees and one of the fuck everything tees just automatically. They automatically get that. So when they buy that NFT, they get those three shirts, bang. And then every time I release a shirt, they're the first one to get it. And those little unique identification, numerical identification tags that are on the inside that say one of 20, two of 20, three of 20, they get to select which one they want. So that means this person, they've already told me that they're gonna get 420 of all of them. They get four slash 20 numerical ID tag printed on the inside of every single one of the tees they receive. So let's just say that Black Ink blows up to me a multi-million dollar brand, something we can't even imagine at the moment because it's just absolutely so far-fetched. Well, from the year of 2022, they got one of each of the tees that was released and furthermore, they can prove it. Oh, what's up, playboy? And then, and then, you put on your fucking metaverse headset that everyone's going to be using in a couple of years time and you're going to be strolling through whatever fucking metaverse you, you know, you're in for whatever it is. Maybe it's the Facebook one just for the lack of people not understanding what I'm talking about. Let's say we're in the Facebook metaverse. You put on your goggles and you're navigating your way through cities and towns and all the rest and you walk into an art gallery and what do you know? There's a... Black Ink NFT, number two, antenatal. And you look at the information or the description and it drops down to everything that was involved with this NFT. So this NFT was released in January 2022 by the creator, Jake Kerr. That's all symbolized, that's all, um, what do you call it? Certified here. So you know that it's the case. You know, Whoever owned this in 2022, da, 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 all the information there, right? And you think like, what the fuck are you talking about? Well, people go to museums and art galleries now in the real life so when everything's happening in the metaverse, whether it's a museum or whether it's somebody's crib that you're hanging out at to watch a movie and they hang that on the wall the same way you put a fucking lava lamp in your movie watching room. Like, that's what that could be. And someone is agreeing that $1,000 is a good price for that. And it just so happens that $1,000 in 2022 is enough to write home about. So I think that's a pretty cool thing. And, at, you know, nothing is over to the fat lady sings, but... To be honest with you, this person has made outrageous claims in the past and has always followed through. So I have full faith that this is a happening thing. So cool thing to report on there. Just, you know, obviously. Also, why do people pronounce appreciate as appreciate? I feel like you have so many things to worry about before you start saying shit like that. You know what I mean? Like, oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Are you getting silly with your C's? How does it feel when you say that? And also, do you think that everyone else is just like, yeah, no, nah, that's fine. That's all good. Yeah. Well, okay, here's an example. Has nothing to do with what I was talking about, right? But say you're at a cafe and you've just sat down and you put down two glasses of water, right? And then you get your jug and you're pouring one glass of water. And keep in mind, the glasses are only separated by about maybe an inch. 
And then as you're pouring it, instead of stopping pouring and going over to the second glass and continuing to pour, you just keep, you just, you're pouring, 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 and then you just move the jug and then it puts a little bit of water on the table and then keeps pouring into this glass until it's about full. And then let's just say you're an absolute fucking animal. And then when you're done, you don't even stop pouring. You just kind of pull away from the glass and tilt up at the same time. So it leaves a little bit of a snail trail of water behind it, okay? Now, my question is, does everybody just constantly remain aware of the water that got spilled on the table until it comes to such a point that there is either more water or mess on the table or it gets cleaned up completely? Or do people just live and not give a fuck about things like that? That's my question, you know? Because I think the fact that that worries the fuck out of me makes me good at business. And I'm not saying I'm good at business. I'm just saying that been doing it for a year now and I'm in the 10% of businesses that last, okay? Not saying I'm great. I'm just saying lived in a caravan and now I pay for rent in a real house, okay? Hey, hey, fuck me, right? Okay? And I wonder, like, we have this conversation all the time and by we I mean myself with a camera and you get to observe it. What makes people fail in this situation, you know? Is it bad decision-making or is it circumstantial? You know, I get it. Being in business is hard. It is fucking hard. You have to make strictly logistical decisions all the time. Like you can't tie emotion into much of business outside of being a good person within it. You know, that's seldom are you faced with a problem that you have to emotionally answer that's going to make a huge impact on your business, right? And most of the time that comes from either your you know, hiring family into your business sort of thing. I mean, that's where a lot of emotional decisions come from. Do you do the right thing by your family or do you do the right thing by your business or your shareholders or X, Y, Z? But I think when it comes to discussing like small business, especially the stuff that's relatable to you, you know, just normal people starting out on their own doing a, a solo venture thing. I think the reason that a lot of people make poor decisions because well, not even a lot of people don't succeed is because I think like they don't sweep their back porch. They don't keep shit nice. And I'm not saying that you got to fucking keep your pencils sharp and, and, you know, your pants done up tight to run a good business. But I do think you have to have a certain standard of excellence within yourself and a certain amount of respect that you give yourself through your practices, whatever they may be, doing things excellently. So that when it does come time to decision making, it doesn't really matter about whatever the situation is that you're making a decision about. It's about making excellent decisions. Excellent decisions. Like thinking about, okay, I understand what's going on here. I understand the problem. I understand all the elements. Now, how does a billionaire make this decision? And regardless of how I feel, make the decision. You know? Because I just couldn't pour that fucking glass to glass of water and let it spill on the table and not say anything. Especially if you, I mean, we're assuming you just got to this cafe and this table's clean, right? Maybe there's some salt and pepper or, you know, one of those little bullshit jars of knives and forks with some napkins stuck in there. But otherwise the table's clean and now there's water on it, dude. And you, we're just going to sit here and talk like that's fine. Dude, the fact that people sit and talk in cafes while there's other people sitting and talking around them is fucking crazy to me. Like, whenever is that a good thing that you want to do? Oh, hey, I want to have a discussion with someone. Anything from meeting someone for the first time right up to like, you know, a business meeting where you're talking about an actual topic or something where you're trying to get some sort of resolution out of it, right? 
in any of those situations from that end of the spectrum to that end, when is it ever beneficial to have fucking strangers sit next to you and possibly be listening or worse, talking about something that matters less over you? I don't understand that. And you're going to let water on this table fucking just chill? Dude, fuck that. Black Ink's going to be around in a hundred years, dude. So, moving forward, found myself at the lovely Craig Lyons and Haley. Well, forgive me for not knowing your last name, Haley. I feel terrible now, but it is soon to be Lyons because I was at your engagement party on Saturday night and God damn it, I had fun. It was amazing. Dude, I went there on Saturday morning to give Craig a hand, which by the way, just had this feeling in my fucking brain that I had to message him on Thursday and be like, just in case you need a hand, I'm free. And he's like, dude, I need some tall motherfucker with a ladder to give me a hand with something up in the air, you know? So I went there Saturday. We got a bit of the setup done. It was fun. We hung out. We drank some coffee. We listened to the weekend, just broed down. I went home and slept for fucking four hours, dude. I woke up and just in a good mood. You know, who, whoever sleeps four hours during the day and wakes up in a good mood. Apparently this guy on Saturday, because I woke up and you know what I said to myself? Something that I haven't genuinely said to myself in seemingly years. I'm sure it's not because I'm a drama queen. But I said to myself, I'm in the mood to have a good time. And weirdly enough, I, in no real rush or no real concern for the time, I got myself ready. I tied my hair up a little bit different. I ran two plaits instead of one and I tied them up at the back. So even though I had two plaits of hair, that was just one big lot of hair down, down my back, you know? And I got out the shirt that I wanted to wear, this beautiful white crocodile skin collarless shirt because who the fuck wears that, you know? And realized it had two massive stains on it. And you know what I did? I took the time and I excellently got the stains out of there because I thought, you know what, fuck it. If any guy in this house can do it, it's this guy. And I got the stains out and I even dried it out so that there was not even a consistency of moisture in the material. Like, dude, are you serious? I woke up with like two and a half hours and now I've got pretty much a clean brand new shirt, good to go. All good. So I got myself dressed, did my hair. I thought I don't want to drive my car in there just in case your boy ends up drinking, you know, a dozen vodka and sodas. So I thought I'd ride my push bike in. So it's all good. Uh, Riz had a girl's night out. She rode her, she got picked up. She went to a girl's night out. I jumped on my push bike. I rode in there. I met pe- I met up with people that I haven't seen in years. I went from group to group to group to group. And every time I moved group, I got two vodka sodas just to make sure I'd be social enough for the event. Bang, bang. And by 11 o'clock, you know, 11 o'clock is that point where you have to ask yourself, am I in it for the whole night or am I going home? Because 11 o'clock, even if you've been punching the, the beer, I was going to say Billy's then, but no, if you've been smashing the beers since midday, you can get home at 11.30 with a McDonald's meal and a liter and a half of water and maybe even a yak before all of that if you're a real man and still be fine for tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like you can just eat all that food, smash all that water right before you go to bed. You're going to feel like absolute death. You're going to wake up in the morning. If you haven't already pissed your pants, you're going to need to immediately piss. It's going to alter your ability to walk between the bedroom and the toilet. So be prepared for that. But once you take that piss, four Panadol and some Nurofen, baby, we're an hour and a half off being fine as fuck. And we sent it yesterday. So I got to that stage of the night and I looked around and I was around people that I was enjoying and people that like, I was like, I could spend another six hours hanging out with you. And I said, tonight, 
I'm partying. And that I did. And I didn't stop partying until six o'clock in the morning when I had fucking five cunts around my place all talking absolute nonsense. Ooh. Riz is home. Hell yeah, dude. Just uh, let her come in. How you going? Larissa is just returning from Kmart where she has bought herself a yoga mat. Oh, look at this. We got a, a document organizer, one of those ones that well, in comparison to the to the tub we just throw out all of our documents in. Where's your registration? Well, it's in the tub. Thank you, Larissa. She's beautiful. So the weekend was fun, but it also meant that the cost was Sunday and Monday owned, was owned by Saturday night. I, you know, as you do, as the sun's going down on Sunday, oh, tell a lie, it was my mate Davey's 30th on Sunday. So rode the Harley around there. Him and I both absolutely ruined our rear tires doing burnouts, but that's what you do for your boy's 30th birthday. And just caught up with his mum, who I haven't seen in ages. We ate good food. We had good times and laughed and I was home back in bed sore by nine o'clock at night, but definitely worth it, obviously, for Davey. And then Monday, dude, what the fuck? Being hungover at 29 is a different thing. You know what I mean? I was like speaking tongues and shit on Monday morning. I was in so much pain. I literally like didn't even have that thing where I'm like, I feel guilty for not doing work. I was just like, oh no, I couldn't walk to my room, let alone do the work. Fuck work. I'm not working. And then by Monday night, you know, because I'm a savage, I had the lawnmower out. I was cutting grass. I was Fucking putting sea sole on the young plants. I was doing I was doing the righty. Also had a lot of fucking cleaning up to do from the weekend apparently. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, all good. But yeah, Monday being a public holiday, I guess if there was any better weekend, better timing to get it out of the way, it was the weekend that just passed. And there's some weird thing to you know, for me it's partying and I think it's partying at the moment in this stage of my life because I don't have the ability to travel as much and even if this situation in the world wasn't happening where travel is such a barren thing uh, I still don't have you know obviously black ink what it is you know I don't have the ability to travel the way that I've been traveling for you know my late teenage years and early 20s so I think partying is like a really nice little reset and also just getting blackout drunk as a as an occasion is somewhat beneficial um it's not. I fucking hate it. You know, I think it's just one of those things where because it's so far and few between, you justify it in a way because there was some positive benefit to it. And I definitely came to work Tuesday morning like like the batteries have been charged. That's how I explained it to mum. I just felt like, you know, I'm a, little, oh, I'm a little bit slow and, you know, I let myself have a couple of cigarettes on the weekend. So I got a little bit of nicotine withdrawal. I feel shitty, you know. But I'm fucking with black ink again, you know, like I'm excited and I, you know, had people coming around and give, you know, selling stickers and getting these shirts that needed to be finished up and packed up, getting them sold. So like had a really good productive first day and obviously leading into today, <clears throat> finding out that I didn't have those graphics isn't super ideal. But at the same time, like it was just annoying. It wasn't like, you know, when, you know, if one, I, I'll be transparent with you about something this time a year ago, if I had a problem it's very like, ah, oh, fuck me, you know, the whole world is against me, rah, 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 like, this is terrible. When now when I get a problem, it's just like, okay, we just got to figure out this solution and then the next solution and the next solution and the next solution. It's never like a, 
it's never an emotional response to it. It's just like, okay, that job took longer than what we expected. That's okay. Like the, the job is the job. And I'm just going to, you know, appropriately prioritize whatever is coming up next in order so that, you know, we, we maintain some sort of efficiency. But at the same time, like if a job takes longer, like the job takes longer. I think specifically with this fuck everything tea, I, you know, even a day longer, I don't like, cause I sold these on Friday. I want people to have them on Friday night. You buy something off me on Friday morning. I want to be able to give it to you on Friday night. Now, because I keep upping the ante on the quality of product that I'm releasing, I'm obviously going through the growing pains of, uh, you know, realizing these problems and how to best manage my actions to make sure that I don't run into these problems again. But, you know, unfortunately at the moment, I do still take that a bit of emotion, like uh, I let that emotionally affect me because you're like, well, fuck, I'd, I would much rather have had, people had these things on Tuesday morning when I kind of promised which should have been Monday morning because of the public holiday. And now it's Thursday morning, you know? So, but as I say, these are all just opportunities to learn. And from this, I've learned that I need to be at least two weeks out, not one week out. You know, realistically, you know, if I was a mentor looking at my situation, giving advice, I would say, well, why don't you not sell anything until you have all of the pieces that you need to make it already available, you know? And obviously the answer is to that, like, because I just fucking need everything 100 mile an hour, you know, done excellently and at 100 mile an hour. So, yeah, very interesting, very interesting. But, oh shit. Oh, I was drinking out of the glass, that's right. But yeah, it's certainly been an interesting uh, past week because I think, you know, with my productivity pack, uh, at the end of every week, it asks me, what have you learned this week and what big projects have you moved forward? And I think that's a really like healthy thing to be asking yourself once a week because it forces you to actually think like, what the fuck have I done this week? And I don't know about you because none of my days look the same. It's really like there's so many things happening that there's no routine in that, you know, every morning looks the same, every afternoon looks the same and even every weekend looks the same. So having that time to really go through and go like, well, what the fuck did I actually move forward this week? It really makes me focus on what moves the dial and what doesn't. Because what did I learn this week is important in the long run. What big projects did I move forward in the week? Really important on the medium term shit. So obviously the quick wins are obvious because you have them, you get the money, you move on or you make the engagement or whatever it is, you make the interaction and you move on. So those quick wins are good and they're obvious. And if you've got money in your account, then obviously you must be having enough quick wins that you need to time with the long wins, of course, for the longevity of your business. But making sure that you're doing things that matter, that move the dial, that are actually moving your business forward. Because I'm officially at a position where I don't have to do anything new anymore. I can replicate my systems over and over again and I'll make just enough money to live. And I think this is where a lot of businesses, this is where they stop. And every now and then they get lucky and they get an extra contract or they run into this and that brings in a little bit extra money. But I'm fully building the foundation of what I see in my mind as an empire empire is probably too far but a, a company no fuck it it's an empire okay i'm building the foundation of an empire that once i have this foundation strong enough and high enough then i'm going to be looking to branch off that and be able to build off this into completely other area in complete completely different other areas that are going to allow me to be seen by completely different audiences in completely different lights or at the, or at the same time all coming back to this one place which is black ink which has you know, I still have no fucking idea what it is. 
I think the fact that people get here and pause is almost like, well, why did you start in the first place? Why don't you, I mean, if you were just going to do that, why don't you go find a job that is just that and then also get sick days? If you want to just have enough security, like say that your own boss and have enough security, well, there's plenty of franchises you can go and buy where you're literally going to follow the rules. And if you spend enough on the franchise to begin with and get like a McDonald's, you probably get rich from it as well. But people who have like literal freelance businesses and whatever element it is, even if you're an electrician working for yourself out of your car and your trailer, it's like, well, what ambition is it to like have no boss and have a massive tax bill and have no time, you know? So, yeah, just an interesting perspective, I guess. It's fun to, at the moment, the cool part is, as I mentioned, I go, like, I don't let my idea of what the path is meant to be stop me from making the, stop me from making decisions that I thought that I'd never have to make, you know. When people ask me, can your business do this? I like to always answer yes in my mind and then justify it both sides. Don't make it like a, you know, innocent until proven guilty. It's like, okay, yes, we can do it. Is it justifiable for the customer? Is it justifiable for Black Ink? Is it justifiable for Jake? So make it go through that criterion of like, yes, yes, yes. And if it is a yes and there is learning involved, then is that going to project my business forward in a different light somewhere else? And when you start defending that, then you stop making these wins that are based around the that safety of your 60K a year or 70K a year. And then you open up to like, okay, I spent four weeks on this project with this client. And we achieve this result that I'm probably never going to have to achieve again. But in the process, I got to see the structure or the skeleton of a procedure that I never, never use, but the actual structure itself, when we take out all the names of all the things that happen and all the names of the elements, that structure, I can replicate somewhere else. Fascinating. Listening to the most recent episode of Club Good, they had on there, I forget her actual name, her Instagram name is Till Death, forgive me, listened to you for two hours or three hours and still didn't remember your name, I listened to a lot of podcasts, I'm not defending myself, I'm just insecure, but she brought up a really cool point where she said, creatives, I think the original question was from Josh and he said, you know, why is it that a lot of creatives are like fuck, up, fuck ups as kids? And she said, I think a lot of creatives have really interesting or, um, you know, adversity filled backgrounds because those sorts of upbringings or situations force you to have a lot of different perceptions and a lot of different exposure to different situations and different, you know, communities, whatever it might be. And usually a creative is only is only as good as their ability to piece together these things that they've learned in the past in such a way that they can create their own vibe and create their own art and whatever you want to call it. And that really kind of hit me because, you know, obviously I see myself as a creative in that, you know, I can get in front of a camera and I can talk about things for 45 minutes and keep going or I can go on live videos and have fun or I can make these pieces of content or the fact that I can problem solve this whole t-shirt business in 2022 together to actually be a profitable enterprise for myself. That is my art and therefore I am a creator. And I mean, obviously I've been doing creative writing my whole, not my whole life, but my whole conscious life. And, you know, I think it's so easy to say I'm not an artist because I don't paint or I don't draw. But the reality is I more every day, more and more, I see myself as a creator. And when I reflect on what she said, it makes me think, I don't justify a lot of the experiences I've had as unique or different because they're the experiences that I had and they're normal. But 
the truth is, like, I've had a lot of experiences that are outside the realm of normal. I went to so many more schools than most people. I've been to, I mean, I've been to countries in a manner where I didn't even do it to go traveling. I did it because I was just fucking there, which in its own experience is pretty unique. Not many people just go to a country for the sake of having to be there for a thing like an event or whatever it might be. And you don't really go outside of the roads that you have to travel and go back. And even that experience where you're literally just seeing that culture through a window as you drive past it, it's realer than TV, but it's still not tangible like real life. You know, all of those kind of experiences. And then being spat back into the town that I essentially grew up in from, you know, 10 years old to, you know, 17 is when I left for the first time where I really had all my kind of character forming experiences and had my neuroplasticity firing at its most. So therefore, you know, kind of building my structure of mind around the way this society works, you know, being planted back here at 28 years old with a quarter of a business and about 14 bucks to my name, it's super interesting now that I see my application and my creative process and how I look at problem solving and how I assess situations and how I execute myself and how I make my decisions. You know, I can see perfectly where this decision making comes from. You know, something will come up and I'll be like, oh, that's that time that I was in such and such doing this with this person. And this is how we did this. You know, I know exactly that. But the thing I forget is that you don't know that. You don't see those neurons firing in my mind and think like, oh, we can apply that here because that's kind of similar. Or actually, there's five elements in this situation and there's six elements in this situation, but three of them are the same. I wonder, can we connect them up and make something work there? Like, it's literally how my mind works, you know? And hearing that from that person, it's so fun because I was listening to three creatives that have been creating for longer than I have and have been identifying themselves as creatives for so much longer than I have because this is new to me. You know, I started this perception of myself, like having faith in it and believing it. I've always kind of, you know, had foreplay with the idea, but I've never really engaged with it. And now it's like, no, no, that's what I embody. I have faith that that's who I am. And therefore I, I lean on it and have confidence in my ability to execute things that are creative because I'm a creator, you know? So hearing that from her was kind of like, yeah, I didn't realize that that was kind of the essence of what was going on. I always kind of knew it subconsciously, but then hearing her say that it's like, I've, and obviously I'm paraphrasing terribly if any three of you are listening, but the whole idea that it was these things that have happened to us and the things that we do with them in our mind and how we perceive them and how we extract from them and what we extract for them and then how we apply that to the world, that's a lot to do with being a creative, you know, and that kind of ties back into what I was saying at the beginning. You know, we're only as good as replicating the things that we've already seen, but just in our expression. You know, for me, that's exactly the same. So therefore, I don't consider myself a visual creative, you know. Super cool podcast, by the way. I only started fucking with it when they had Jordan on, which is one of my mentors. Well, fucking friend, you know, he's a good friend. But I do honestly, like, I take problems to him and say, what do you think about this? And he usually gives me a really good piece of advice that I end up using. So he was on there uh, talking about his company. He's the CEO of a company called Mode, which is a uh, health, like, you know, like a GP clinic down in Dunsborough, and they specialize in plant medicine. And he was talking all about that, obviously, on the podcast and kind of how we got into it and all the rest. And that was my exposure to these guys. This, uh, forgive me for forgetting your name, Josh and Scott, Josh and Scott, both guys from Perth, both done really cool interesting jobs in the past for you know private and government people and 
just really cool just i think just like relatable you know as in like i find myself not relating to a whole heap of people in bunbury because we don't have the community that supports a bunch of interesting creatives because there just isn't enough work you know or i don't even think that's the reason i think people get to a certain level of creativity and they think they have to go to a big city or they have to go overseas and they go to melbourne or they go to la or they go to fucking indonesia or whatever it might be so I find, you know, these guys being up in Perth, which they are, um, and they've done things that like, you know, Scott worked on the WA library. Josh has, uh, I think, actually, I think Scott as well worked on like the Euphoria uh, soundtrack art and maybe even the art for Euphoria. I'm not exactly sure, but no, it was for the soundtrack art. But, oh, dude, I don't know. But yeah, just super cool that, that, these guys were like, you know, within reach and also saying things that I really fucked with and don't really have those conversations with, dude, I've done 50 minutes. Are you serious? I don't really have those conversations with people in Bunbury. So it's kind of nice. So much so that as soon as I finished that podcast, listening to Jordan, I came home and I, I told you guys, I think I screenshotted the, the fucking Jordan GM friend on the, you know, the screenshot with the podcast playing and I went on Photoshop and I figured out the font and got rid of Geordie's name and I wrote Jake from Black Ink. So like, you know, I'm not a vision board sort of guy until I am. And I'm just vision boarding my way onto that podcast. And hey, I'll fucking do it as well. All right. I'm not saying it cockily. I'm just saying like, dude, it's fucking like, it's the perfect next step for me. Right. It's the perfect next step. And I'm going to have a cool conversation with these guys because they're my people, you know? And I feel like, and this is a thing, dude, I get it. They're probably, I mean, probably the chances of them looking at this guy I'm like who the fuck is this guy I get it I'm just weird and from Bunbury bro but trust me the conversation's there anyway I've done my 50 minutes I've fucking done my time people you understand I hope everyone's doing well what you need to do right now if you can if it's a possibility for you call your mum and tell her you love her okay it's really important anyway be good to your mum I'm fucking out yeah